Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is the Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch. That means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us this evening. Blessed to have you as a part of my audience. My name is Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. Also the host of Squared Circle Radio, the Pop 6 podcast, which will be coming back maybe later this week. And the editor-in-chief of the Big Six blog at 1045thezone.com slash Big Six blog. Also, the Jason Martin Show heard Sunday mornings nationwide on Fox Sports Radio. The first two hours live here on The Zone from 2 to 4. And then you can hear the third hour from 6 to 7 right before Squared Circle Radio. So a lot of me as you're waking up for church. And by the way, I am blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. Hope you recognize that you are as well. Hope this show finds you and yours doing exceedingly well in your lives. Just a reminder, my DMs are always wide open at Jmart Zone for any kind of conversation that you might like to have, especially related to that. So last week, I gave you the big six list of the top six quarterbacks going into this season. And I've done that for the past two years, which is both years of this show. We did it last summer. We did it this summer. There were some changes. And so now we're going to extend that out. We're going to go back to doing more of these lists of six going forward including some very fun ones that I have planned. Maybe one more we'll do this week, but certainly some that we're going to do next week and the following week. But as I teased last night at the end of the program, if you miss any part of this show, subscribe to The Big Six with Jason Martin via your podcast catcher of choice. You can consume this program however you want, whenever you want, at whatever pace you want, whether you're at the pool or in the car or eating dinner or wherever it might be. If you have to miss any part of this show, we got you covered there. But I want to do the list of six best wide receivers in the NFL. And this one was interesting as when I sat down and started looking at the numbers and trying to make these decisions, I realized there are a whole lot of really good wide receivers in this league. And I think that this is sort of a real, almost like a renaissance era for that position. And it's a resurgence because as the quarterback has become more important, his wide receiver won has become that much more important as well. As the running back has kind of gone down in value and been easy to replace, top-flight wide receivers have become more premium. We're starting to see them taken a little bit earlier in drafts because if you have a great quarterback and you can marry that guy to a top-flight wide receiver that fits the system, that there's chemistry that can be built between quarterback and wide receiver, that's worth its weight in gold. Right here in Nashville, we are hoping this year to see that from Marcus Mariota and Corey Davis. Corey Davis was a top five pick. You saw what Chad Johnson slash Ocho Cinco slash Johnson said about 84 last week. 
He said he's a monster. He said it with a few more colorful words that I'm not going to utilize here in this moment. But we haven't seen enough of it yet. So obviously he's not on the list. So just like we did it last week, I grew up on David Letterman. He's one of the reasons I at least believe I have some brand of wit inside me. He was a hero, one of my heroes growing up. And so obviously he did his top 10 list every night with Larry Bud Melman and Paul Schaefer and the crew. So we're going to do this from six to one. And I know we have Sounders and Ryan Albanese, by the way, is my producer. 615-737-1045 is how you reach this program should you wish to talk to me. And I think there's going to be some disagreements here. I was talking to Rhett Bryan of Titans Radio just before I walked in here to start this show. And, told, and he asked what I was doing tonight on the show. And I said, well, I'm doing a list of six wide receivers that are the top of the league, in my opinion. And so he tried to guess. And the first four names that came out of his mouth, were seven through 10. They're on the honorable mention. And I, at one point, had one, two, I think I had all four of them. Then I kept thinking and kept looking and realized I had to move it on. Unlike quarterbacks, I am including all the red flags here. I did not include health. I said, if healthy, this is what I'm going to do in terms of the quarterbacks. Andrew Luck was number three. But based on health, if I was factoring in health, I don't know if he would be top six because I can't trust him. We have no idea if he's going to play to start the season. It could be a door wide open for the fight in Vrabels should they come out of the gate strong against the Cleveland Browns, which is, boy, this game, this season is so close. But we're going to start with number six, and we never had a number six sounder. But number six is Odell Beckham Jr., because when it comes to wide receivers, the red flags do matter. You've heard my thesis before. Wide receivers, DBs, they're the ones that talk the most because they're the ones on an island against one another with everybody's eyes on them, and there's a whole lot of pride involved in that. But purely on catchability and just out of this galaxy talent, it's hard not to put Odell near the top, if not at the top of the list. And he might be there, but he's just done too many other things. And really, he's been hurt more often than you'd like to see. He still does not seem to fully grasp the consequences of what he says. Just yesterday, we got that quote that came out that said, they sent me to Cleveland to kill me, meaning that the Giants intentionally wanted to try and murder his career by shipping him to the lowly Browns. By the way, he plays for the Browns now. They're not lowly. They were far better than the Giants last year. And he said, hey, you know, they had better offers, but they wanted to try and kill my career. Now, he said today, clarified, this interview was in April. Baker Mayfield says his interview was in April as well. And just now these things are surfacing. But the problem there is, for Odell in particular, so what? In April, Odell, the Browns were already getting all sorts of hype. There are many worse places you could have landed than Cleveland. they got a great fan base, and they've got a whole lot of hope. The Browns have got Jim Nance and Tony Romo for week one. They're the single most hyped team in the entire NFL. As I mentioned yesterday, the ringer is doing an entire week centered around the Cleveland Browns with all sorts of articles and deep dives into every nook and cranny of that franchise. But back to just the stats. Last season, Odell was 27th in defensive yards above replacement and 37th in DVOA. Those are two football outsiders analytics ratings that I trust, although I look at different things when it comes to receivers in addition to that. Odell was in a bad situation. He was banged up and has been more consistently, I think, than you would like over the past handful of years. But he's often double-covered, if not worse. He's dealing with Eli Manning's beyond-twilight years for the past couple of seasons. 
He's an outstanding player, an amazing player, but I think he's a head case just waiting to happen amidst a powder keg on a franchise filled with problem players or potential problem players, I should say, left and right. Guys that do tend to talk a lot and a rookie head coach that we don't know exactly how he's going to do. So I can't go higher than six for Odell Beckham Jr. Now we do have Sounders. Here's number five. Number five. Michael Thomas is number five. And some people are going to say that should he should be way higher. He's the highest paid wide receiver in football. He signed that five-year extension last month for 100 mil. And deservedly so. Between him and Alvin Kamara, they've basically single-handedly extended Drew Brees' career, or at least the high level of it. Drew Brees would still be in the league, but he is deemed much better than maybe his skill set has him at 40 years old because of guys like Michael Thomas. He's the perfect complement for Drew Brees. He knows how to get open, and he can make really tough catches, but he's not particularly tall, he's not particularly strong, he's not particularly fast, which means he has a ton of ability. And, a ton, and does a ton of things in terms of effort on the field. He doesn't get to create the space that some of the rest of this list does that have more tangible you know, 40 times and things like that that might blow you away. He's just a great football player. If you saw Hard Knocks last night, you saw them focus on Hunter Renfro. Some guys are just made to do this for a living, and they just figure it all out. They pay attention to details, and then they find themselves in the perfect situation. We don't know if that's going to be the case for Renfro, but it certainly was a great situation for him to find himself in with Dabo Swinney at Clemson. But Michael Thomas is the epitome of made to do this for a living. He was third in DYAR last year. He was top 10 in DVOA. Surprisingly, he only caught nine touchdowns. I'd like to see him get into double digits this year, which I think is probable, not just possible. But he's got one of the best sets of hands in the NFL. I think he's a super easy pick for this list. Here's number four. Pick them number four. Tyreek Hill, we have to throw out the controversy, at least the most recent controversy, because no charges ended up filed here. The investigation stymied. Now, it feels a little gross, but we just have to look at Tyreek Hill, the football player. And, yeah, there might be another mistake to come. Hopefully not. Not predicting it. But if you're looking at red flags, he has his share. He's also one of the three, if not the fastest player this century in the NFL. He's in a perfect offense for him or anybody else with a near-perfect quarterback for him or anybody else with one of the best play callers in the game as his head coach and a great offensive coordinator in Eric Bieniemy. He's uncoverable north and south. Really, his only flaws are he's not that tall, so he can't be a true wide receiver one, and his hands aren't to the level of the rest of this list. He can drop a ball here and there. He doesn't have that pure wide receiver grip that some of these other guys do. But when you look at his tangibles and you look at his measurables in terms of just the sheer athleticism that he brings, they're off the freaking charts. He was five in DYAR. He was six in DVOA. He averaged 92 yards a game as a receiver. He's a candidate to take any catch to the house. And the rest of this list is not. They can make really tough catches. In fact, I would say Thomas and Beckham both can make more difficult catches than Tyreek Hill can. But what Tyreek Hill can do with the football once he gets it, his yak, his yards after catch, that can't be denied. And so when you just watch him, and I look at this list and I say, who frightens me the most when I'm playing against them if I was on the field as a DB? And I'd love to have Blaine Bishop in here, and maybe I'll talk to Blaine 
and see what he thinks about this as well as somebody that understands it from a perspective that I never could. But I'd love to hear his take on this list and say, all right, who scares you the most as a DB in the league? If you were playing right now, who would frighten you to death? And I bet you he would have some names that are not in my top six and maybe even some names that are not in my top ten. But I feel like Tyreek Hill scares you more than Odell because of what he can do after the catch. And I think he scares you more than Michael Thomas because he's just off the charts as an athlete. So that's six, five, and four. Odell Beckham Jr. at six, Michael Thomas at five, Tyreek Hill at four. Still the top three, and I'm going to give you four honorable mention to get you to 10. Do you agree? Do you disagree? You can call and tell me at 615-737-1045, or you can tweet me. Looks like some of you already are. I'll check into those mentions during the break. That's at Zone if you want to find me there. We'll be right back, off and running here on the Big Six, Wednesday night in the Music City on 104.5 The Zone. So. Welcome back to the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin, your host on Twitter at jmartzone. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse. They're dedicated to making renting your home easy, fast, and worry-free. Renters Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. Will cage the elephant crybaby coming back. Also, I want to remind you, this is where you need to be next Thursday night. College football kickoff party at Corner Pub downtown on 5th. If you want a chance to win Tennessee and Vanderbilt football season tickets, come on out and hang with us. Watch all the Thursday night kickoff games, the Titans preseason finale. There is a 50-foot LED TV wall. There are over 20 75-inch TVs to watch. You've got to be there in order to win either one of the season tickets. So you want to join us at Corner Pub downtown on Fifth Avenue. That's next Thursday night. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be a celebration of football, celebration of sports. Uh, a lot of us are going to be out there as well. Football's here, folks. We couldn't be more excited, and we're certainly looking forward to talking about it with you. And tonight, I have been thus far. And so I said, you can always tweet me at jmartzone. Some people have been doing that during the break. And somebody sent me a message and asked me what the big six meant. It's really not that difficult. Um, my show is at 6 p.m. every night, and the big six kind of rolled off the tongue. And so we went with that. End of story. Number six was Odell Beckham Jr. Number five was Michael Thomas. Number four was Tyreek Hill. I'm looking at the big the list of six wide receivers in the NFL this year, the six that, that I think are the best, and I'm going to give you the honorable mention as well. But Odell was at six. Red flags there do matter, and health matters. Number five is Michael Thomas. He's not like the thing that's going to stand out to you in terms of his measurables but he is incredibly valuable. Number four is Tyreek Hill, mainly because of his measurables. He's got red flags, but his yards after catch almost got him into my top three. Speaking of the top three, we begin with number three. It's actually secret option number three. Antonio Brown. Yep, maybe he should be at the top of this list, but red flag, red flag, red flag. If this were the AB that we all remember from three years ago, the guy that I think led fantasy in terms of points scored for four years in a row at the wide receiver position, which had never been done before, if it was that guy, that guy would be easily number one on this list. But that guy is someone we remember because it was in the past. We've got 
helmet grievance once one followed by helmet grievance two cryogenic scandal one dyed mustache one do it my way or else play by my rules interview one making myself toxic one being benched in the regular season finale last year one all of this let's just say that some of that worries me and i have to drop him just a bit because of it that's the only reason you drop him his hands are absurd just ridiculous his conditioning is incredible He's as good a route runner as maybe we've ever seen in this league. And he has phenomenal instincts as a wide receiver. This flat out comes down to trust for me. I just can't trust him right now. That's what it boils down to. The two guys that I'm going to mention that I have rated higher than him. I believe and and truly think they're going to be on the field unless they're injured. A.B. probably, but who knows? I think he loves football. I think he wants to play. I think he wants to win. But you have to put up with so much garbage in order to get to his otherworldly talent. He had 15 touchdown grabs last year, folks. That's too clear of anybody else in the NFL. He's honestly probably still number one if it weren't for the things that I just had to lay out. But I had to lay those things out. He's also older than both the guys I rate above him. That really wouldn't matter to me that much, although I do think maybe we've seen the best of him. He is 31 years old. 29 is when you peak. But it's these red flags that you can't just put aside because they continue to happen. I can take a couple of your red flags and I can put them in a chest or in a trunk somewhere and forget about them for the most part if they don't happen again. It's like speeding tickets. Eventually those things will, you know, get taken off your record. I did get some tickets when I was 17 and 18. I had some accidents. I haven't had a ticket in 15 years, maybe 20 years. It's been a long time since I've made any kind of mistake like that. So eventually, you can put that behind you, and it's okay. But Antonio Brown continues to get speeding tickets, and that, I think, is maybe the best thing. He's getting speeding tickets sometimes going 50 and a 45, and then sometimes he's getting speeding tickets for going 115 and a 20, like in a school zone, passing a school bus. Some are minor. Some are really problematic. So he's number three. How about number two? Number two. This guy might actually scare me more than anybody on this list. And maybe he should be number one. This could definitely be a 1A and 1B situation. But I had to mention one of these guys first. He plays in this division, in the AFC South, meaning Tennessee's division. It's DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins is flat-out nasty. There's nothing he can't do. His hands are out of this universe. He can go up and get it if need be, even though he's not the tallest guy in the world. And he is the exact wide receiver one, a guy like Deshaun Watson needs. Deshaun Watson is a dude that's always going to throw a couple of risky balls into the sky because he thinks his guys can go grab it. That was the knock at Clemson is at times he would throw uncatchable stuff and just assume his guys were going to make the plays for him. And that would get him into some trouble or maybe drop his completion percentage because he wouldn't check down enough. So when you think about that and you think about DeAndre Hopkins, he's exactly what Deshaun Watson needs because not only is he a top flight target and a wide receiver one, he's a bailout. He's basically a six foot one ejection seat for his quarterback who also played at Clemson. Both of them did. He's three years younger than Antonio Brown. He's 28. He's much less volatile. He's a flat out beast. If you want to look at the analytics, the heavy analytics from football outsiders, he was number two in defensive yards above replacement, which is the number one stat for wide receivers. He was 10 in 
DVOA, 98 yards a game, double-digit touchdowns, and even when you're watching the Houston Texans on television just as a basic fan, that's the first guy I'm looking for on the field every time. You have to account for his whereabouts at all times. And of all of the guys on this list, DeAndre Hopkins is still getting better, I think. I don't know that he's peaked yet. I mentioned 29 is usually the year for an athlete, especially a football player, especially on offense. And if he hasn't peaked yet, based on what we've seen him do in the past couple of years and what Watson is capable of doing, presuming the offensive line doesn't get the quarterback mauled and knocked out of a bunch of games, which, look, if there's replacement players on the field, if there are backup quarterbacks on the field, then that changes things. But if he has not peaked, that means this season could actually be a horror movie for Houston opponents. Not October 31st either. Like this horror show might actually start just a little bit after Labor Day. So he's number two. And now the top of my list. Lesson number one. It's Julio Jones. And I was torn here because Julio Jones is not the touchdown guy. But many times that's because he played decoy or he had double, you know, he, he was double covered and triple covered. And it would be like Mohamed Sanu that would catch touchdowns from Matt Ryan. He had the most yards in the league last season, over 1,600. He finally did start catching touchdowns, though. There was that really ugly streak about him for a long time, but I think he had eight last year. He's still a year younger than Antonio Brown, but he is far less problematic than A.B. He is your go-up-and-get-it wide receiver. If there was a list of the guys that are just going to go up and grab anything, Julio Jones... I think Hopkins might be on that list, but I would go Julio Jones, and then I would go Mike Evans next, probably. But there are a ton of guys. If you talk about what I was just saying with Mohamed Sanu, Calvin Ridley as well, there are plenty of guys around Julio Jones that benefit from him being around. That's also true of Antonio Brown. The reason Juju Smith-Schuster is not in the top six is because I need to see what Juju Smith-Schuster looks like without A.B. attracting all that attention. If Juju is able to come close to what we have seen from him thus far, he will make this list of six next year. There's no doubt in my mind about that, but not yet. But usually Julio Jones is super quiet and just goes about his business. Yeah, there's a contract thing, but everybody does the contract thing. He is very much like his quarterback, Matt Ryan. If you notice, all these guys are in situations where they're matched well with their quarterbacks. And usually it's a talented quarterback as well. But Julio Jones and Mike Evans, I think, too, those are two guys that you can basically never overthrow unless you're just awful, just terrible, and airmail at 10 feet above their head. I don't know that he's ever seen a football he doesn't think he can grab. Another guy with really good hands, really good eyes, precise route runner. He's got that height that some of these other guys on this list don't. He is the very definition of a wide receiver one, and he has been so valuable and instrumental to the Atlanta Falcons and to Matt Ryan in particular. He should have a Super Bowl, but we all know how that went a couple of seasons ago with that huge comeback for the Patriots. So your list of six best wide receivers for 2019, according to me. Number six is Odell. Number five is Michael Thomas of the Saints. Number four is Tyreek Hill. Number three is A.B. Number two is DeAndre Hopkins. And number one is Julio Jones. And right now, you might have to talk me out of the Falcons being in the Super Bowl or certainly winning that division because I do think they have a chance to dethrone the New Orleans Saints. When we come back, I'll give you my honorable mention, and then the XFL 
Well, they have their eight names and they have their eight logos. And I'm going to do some live dramatic reading on the air of the descriptions of these eight teams. And it might be the best thing you hear all day on the radio. At Zone on Twitter, 615-737-1045 to join me. Where do you agree? Where do you disagree? We'll be right back. It's a big six here on 104.5 The Zone. So. Welcome back to the big six here on 104.5 The Zone. Jason Martin with you, as always, on Twitter at jmartzone. Put out my big six list of six best wide receivers in the NFL. Six was Odell Beckham Jr., five, Michael Thomas, four, Tyreek Hill, three, Antonio Brown, two, DeAndre Hopkins, one, Julio Jones. We'll get to phone caller in one second. Here is your honorable mention, seven through ten. And again, I think it just goes to show there's a lot of depth at great wide receivers, at number one guys. Because you could easily slide any of these four guys into one of these other spots. Number seven, I've got Devontae Adams in Green Bay. And I and I eventually I originally had him, I think, five on this list, and then guys started coming back to mind. I'm like, oh wait, no, okay. Devontae at seven. Mike Evans is at eight. I think he could easily get there, but I look at him and I don't think he's in an ideal situation. Even though, weirdly enough, you may not have seen this, but there is a graph out there that you can find, if I can find it, I'll tweet it out, which has Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston on it. And it shows their rates and the way that they have played and their yards and all these things that are adjusted, right? And so Marcus Mariota looks like an aggro crag from Nickelodeon Guts. It's gone up and it's gone down. And so there have been struggles and there have been some peaks and there have been some valleys. Jameis Winston has gotten better every year. That graph continues to go up. I don't know that people realize that that he's actually improved year after year. He has not like taken some big drop off and then come back and then drop back off. Mariota has dealt with injuries. He's dealt with a bunch of coordinator changes and things of that nature. But if you want to look at a guy that's trending, right, it's Jameis Winston. But I don't know that there's anybody listening to me, including me, who also unfortunately has to listen to me all the time. Every time I speak who would take Jameis Winston over Marcus Mariota. But that graph actually kind of boggled my mind when I saw it. So I've got Mike Evans at eight just because I still want to see what they do this year. Number nine is Juju Smith-Schuster. I mentioned why in the first segment or earlier in the show when I had Antonio Brown at three. Because of how great A.B. is, I want to see what Juju Smith-Schuster looks like without 84 on the field next to him. I want to see if he can be a wide receiver one consistently or if there's going to be some level of drop-off now that he's going to have much more attention focused on him from opposing defenses. And number 10, and really he might be harmed just because there's another guy that's almost as good that might be 11, is Adam Thielen. And it would be between him and Stephon Diggs, and you can take either one of them. They are, as a tandem, the best route-running tandem in the NFL, maybe by a fairly wide margin. And Thielen's an incredible player, and he's another one that can make catches that just don't seem possible. He kind of reminds me of, remember Joe Juravicious? In terms of the level of wizardry behind some of his catches. I mean, Odell's obviously on a completely different planet when it comes to that kind of thing. But Thielen makes some incredible catches. He's far better than Juravicious just in terms of overall ability and what he's done and things of that nature. But Thielen has that kind of sorcery in him. 
So that's seven, eight, nine, and ten. Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Adam Thielen. Let's take a phone call. Bill in Nashville leading us off here tonight on the Big Six. Bill, what's up? Um, Jason, man, I really love your show. I try to listen to you as much as I can, and you. Uh, you just bring a different perspective about everything, uh, especially you know, especially football. And uh, I'm gonna have to respectfully disagree with you on the, sure. the Atlanta, uh, Atlanta um, taking the division away from the Saints. Um, the Saints' defense is actually getting stronger instead of weaker. Mm-hmm. And, I know, and I know Drew Brees is 40, but 60% Drew, B, Drew, Drew Brees is better than most of the quarterbacks still in the league. Uh, that's just my you know, personal opinion. And, uh, I, and I think uh, Alvin Kamara is going to have a breakout year. He's already had really good years every year he's been there. I think this year he's just going to um, – have a real breakout year without uh, Mark Ingram back there. I, I so. don't disagree. I don't disagree with you at all, Bill. And I appreciate the call and I appreciate the kind words as well. And you can always respectfully disagree with me at any point in time. I love robust debate or discussion via Twitter at Jmartzone or via the phones. The Saints could easily win that division. I think they're going to take a step back, but I still think they're likely a playoff team. But remember, every year. The trend is about half of the playoffs, only about 50% of the teams that made it the year before make it the next year. You see teams emerge quicker than expected and ones drop off faster than expected. Quarterbacks do not generally gradually get worse. When it happens, it's like a ton of bricks and they're just nowhere near the same guy. Drew Brees doesn't have the zip on his ball, or at least he sure didn't in weeks 10 through 17 last year. But they could still win the division. When you say 60% of Drew Brees is better than most quarterbacks in the league, I don't necessarily disagree. I think I had him in my list of six last week. I'd have to double-check, but I believe he came in at five on that list. But 60% of Drew Brees is not better than Matt Ryan because Matt Ryan's a top-ten quarterback in the league as well, by my estimation. So I think that it's razor thin, but I think there's just so many more weapons on the field for Atlanta. You're totally right about Kamara. I love him to death. Michael Thomas, obviously, was number five on my list tonight in wide receivers. But I look at Ridley, and I look at Sanu, and I look at those running backs, and I look at Ryan, I look at the offensive line, I look at a defense that was unhealthy last year for them that should be much better, and then, of course, I look at Julio Jones, and I just see a wealth of room to go in the right direction after kind of having a few years where it just hasn't been what you expected it to be. But Ridley had a... Very good rookie season. You want to talk about somebody that's going to have a breakout? I think it's Calvin Ridley. You heard what I said. I don't know if I'm going to back off completely from that, but I said I think Calvin Ridley might be the best of this crop of wide receivers that Alabama has had enter the league. Now, I think Jerry Judy might be better than all of them once he gets in there. And that's just one of the myriad of guys that are going to come out and just be studs out of that Alabama crew that we're going to see on the field this year for the Crimson Tide. But I just look at the weapons, and I think that's that's why I have the Atlanta Falcons picked where they are. So the XFL, the eight teams have names, they have logos, and they have weirdly at the official website long descriptions that are just patently, hilariously ridiculous. It's almost as if this were a football organization helmed by a pro wrestling promoter oh wait and i'm pretty good at cold reading you know there's something you're good at in your life that you just for some reason you were always very good at and maybe it's just kind of a a thing that you've discovered at some point 
But that's definitely a skill that I was blessed with and I'm lucky to have. So when we come back from this break, I'm actually going to sit here. I'm going to read these eight descriptions to you. And I'm going to see if Ryan Albanese can find some kind of dramatic music for me during the break. And so I'm going to go ahead and tell you that in five minutes, if you're still in traffic on the way home or wherever it is that you're listening to me, I need you to place your beverages in your vehicle's cup holders because I do not want to be responsible for stains. I don't want to be responsible for damage to your upholstery. The eight teams are the Tampa Bay Vipers, the St. Louis Battle Hawks, the Seattle Dragons, the Houston Roughnecks, the Los Angeles Wildcats, the New York Guardians, the D.C. Defenders, and the Dallas Renegades. Whatever you think of those names, whatever you think of the logos, if you've checked that out on Twitter, it's been trending all day. I'm going to tell you what those names mean according to the XFL's own website. I don't know who wrote this. I have to imagine it's a 14-year-old that's been reading a lot of William Faulkner or somebody that just over-describes everything. Because this is, like I said, the funniest thing you will have seen all day unless Rex Chapman's put out something I missed. So I will do that when we come back out of this break. 615-737-1045 is always how you get this program, or you can tweet me at jmartzone. We'll be right back here on 104.5 The Zone. Final segment of the program tonight, the Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Hope your Wednesday's going great. Mine's fantastic. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. This is Moon Taxi. They're great. They're from here. I'm hoping to interview them soon. Ball calls coming up next. Stick around for that. Just saw this Jeff Passon tweet. It kind of stopped me dead in my tracks. I'm going to do these dramatic readings here in just a moment. But Jeff Passon tweets out just a little while ago, the use of gas station sexual enhancement pills in baseball is so prevalent that MLB sent out a memo warning players that their use could lead to positive PED tests as at least two players have already claimed this year, sources tell ESPN. You don't say. Those random pills that you see behind the counter next to the Swisher Sweets and what else is back there? Lottery tickets. You don't say. Those might not entirely be organic. They might actually have some things that might pop you. Just that tweet's amazing. Sometimes the internet's fun. The use of gas station sexual enhancement pills in baseball is so prevalent that MLB today sent out a memo warning players that their use could lead to positive PED tests. That's fantastic. Also fantastic are these XFL descriptions from their own website. You know where I am on spring football. You know where I am on minor league football. It ain't going to work. But you have to credit whatever journalism, not journalism student, whatever creative writing student they pulled from the local high school in Stanford, Connecticut to write this. Because here we go, and Ryan Albanese asked me what kind of music I said I wanted, and then he started giving me good adjectives, and he got to epic, and I said, epic? Yeah, like something Ramin Jawadi would have put out there, I think we can go with. So let's see what, what music he has found for us. That'll do. Dramatic readings from XFL.com. The DC Defenders. On the shoulders of giants, they stand tall. Unconquerable. Unyielding. Marching ever forward. A force united. One quest. 
one purpose, one resolve. Seeking glory through grit, victory through valor. The DC Defenders taking their stand. That's a real thing that someone wrote about a football team so that you know exactly where they're coming from. Sound like they could have used that as the under, underneath the bombshell trailer that dropped this morning as well. Anyway, the Dallas Renegades, deep in the heart of Texas, beats a different kind of pulse, a spirit untamed, a swagger that cannot be denied, where big meets bold meets badass. This is outlaw country, inside the lines. This is hell on wheels, between hash marks. This is their home on the range. The Dallas Renegades raising hell. Are you a Renegades fan after that? Does that hit you where you are? Is that who you are? Is that your brand? The Houston Roughnecks. Resolute. Rippling with heat. Railing against fatigue. Unceasing and often unseen, they labor deep in the trenches. Mercenaries in the muck, brawlers in black and dirt, not just for three hours, not just when the lights are bright. These are the scratching, grinding, never bending few. The Houston Roughnecks going to work for you. These are real things, folks. I'm not making this up. I did not write a script here. This is what was on the website to describe these teams so that you would know where they're coming from, what they're motivated by. The Los Angeles Wildcats in the land of bright lights. Far from the flash and fame, they've already begun to prowl. Enter their den and be dominated. Run away and be ripped apart. This is prime time meets primal instinct. This is showtime with a snarl. This is our time to roar. The LA Wildcats unleashed just in case ladies and gentlemen you have never seen a wildcat before hopefully you now know where they're coming from if you see one in the wild the new york guardians centuries carved of stone watchdogs over the metropolis a prehistoric predator a beast evolves turned loose in a new kind of jungle all teeth and talons eyes unblinking they know fear because they feed off it. They are your first line of defense, and there is no need for a second. The New York Guardians on duty. The St. Louis Battlehawks, winged warriors preparing for flight, preparing to fight. They await their orders, then attack as one, diving, dodging, swooping striking their mission create chaos their mandate win at all costs the st louis battlehawks cleared to engage the seattle dragons rising from the turbulent sea beneath the darkening skies of their weather-hardened home relentless ruthless ravenous not of mythology but of muscle and might. Not of folklore, but of football. This is your darkest fantasy in cleats. The Seattle Dragons 
breathing fire. And finally, last but not least, the Tampa Bay Vipers. In the shadows they wait. Demons born in darkness, hunters by instinct, cold-blooded by nature. Their bite, unavoidable. Their grip, inescapable. They slither and stalk their competition, luring all who challenge them into the jaws of defeat. The Tampa Bay Vipers, ready to strike. Those are eight descriptions, ladies and gentlemen, of the eight XFL teams that were announced today. I think the key to this whole thing is the last two sentences because there are more periods in like a three-line deal of text for these teams than you'll see in some entire research papers. But just the like finishing shot, the parting shot, I'm going to reread those real quick. D.C. Defenders taking their stand. The Dallas Renegades raising hell. The Houston Roughnecks going to work for you. That one's just, I don't know what happened there. The L.A. Wildcats unleashed. The New York Guardians on duty. The St. Louis Battlehawks cleared to engage. The Seattle Dragons breathing fire. The Tampa Bay Vipers ready to strike. I don't want to be right about the XFL not working. I know that Vince knows it's not going to profit for at least three years. He's not going to break even. He's already put, I think it's 350 plus million dollars down on expected losses in the first three years. I'm telling you, this thing will not have a second champion. It might have a first one, but it's not going to have a second one. He's in the middle of a wrestling war. That's This isn't the show to get into that on. That's Squared Circle Radio on Sunday mornings. But he's got real competition for the first time in two decades. It's on TNT. It's got backing. It's got a lot of hype behind it. It's selling out buildings. That's going to start to control him as well. He's got this Fox deal. He's got a new show on USA that he's trying to put up against that competition on Wednesday nights, a night where he usually has not had to think about it. And he's got the XFL, which failed miserably first, and every other spring football league that's tried also has failed. I don't want to be wrong, but there's already enough football. We're looking forward to it, and it feels like there's not, but I promise you there is because we don't even want to watch the preseason of NFL teams where we know the guys that are going to be on the field. Ball calls is up next. Stick around for that. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night.